I mean, just looking back, it's so hard to put into the word that I'll say to say that I've actually been in corporate for a decade. I'm like, that is so much life, so much life. It's like, what could I also could have been doing during that time? <laughs> I decided to make that leap to believe in myself and to pursue this opportunity that I've created that I feel like is gonna be super impactful in the travel and uh, digital nomad world. But it's hard because it's new brand and, but if you don't believe in yourself, then who will? Oh my gosh. Well, I would say like family part, a lot of fear and, and lack of the unknown and unsure of like, is this gonna work? Like being scared of the fact that I'm not going down the most stable path. And then through friends and through um, like my other nomad friends are like so proud, so excited to see where that goes. And to, to be living the dream that I, I've had for since I was 19 at the Vias Festival. You spend a lot of time and energy in the beginning. Um, you're basically planting a garden and you won't see anything for a while. So you have to like be patient and realize that it will blossom if you keep nurturing it. Welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode, where I'm joined by Ranika Konaru, the owner of Cloud Connections. Rani has been a digital nomad for three years and is now a published author. Today, we're going to talk about that book, Cloud Connections, and also her travel history. Rani, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Hi, James. Yeah, great to have you. So tell the people listening right now, where are you in the world? I am currently in the town of Bansko in Bulgaria, um, surrounded by the Piran Mountains as we speak. It's a town about a couple hours away from the capital of Sofia. Dream. We were going to go to Bulgaria this year on the interrail pass, but we couldn't get through Serbia from where we were, from like Croatia down that side. So we had to kind of sack that off, unfortunately, and go a bit further Central Europe, but we'd love to visit. Yeah, I highly recommend coming at this time of the year because I'm here for a conference slash festival and it's been super impactful. For listeners now then, what is Bulgaria like? I mean, it's a very, I'd say a unique country for people to travel to in Europe. It doesn't get like the, the limelight or the social media, but I'd imagine it's fairly cheaper, but also there's probably some hidden gems there, I reckon. Oh, yeah. I think the infrastructure here is amazing because there's a lot of people that could speak English. Um, I haven't had the best experiences in Sofia, but like being on the countryside, it's smaller. So the people have been a lot friendlier. So I think it's up and coming and rents are usually 200. I'm like, is that like, I, I feel like almost bad for, for paying that amount. And just like, it, it's amazing. And um, you get wow. a lot of value and... There's so like every outdoor activity you could imagine wanting to do in Bansko is available. So that's why they have the uh, nomad uh, digital nomad conference here. And so my second time. Wow. Two hundred dollars mm-hmm. a month. It might be going up a little bit. So it's <laughs> <to> 300. <laughs> that is insane. 
just give you an idea, Vancouver is 2000 a month, and that's for a one-bedroom apartment condo. So, yeah, that's crazy cheap. So Crikey. it has been drawing a lot of nomads uh, from around the world. And let's talk about your early life. So where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, um, but my parents uh, did come over from India. So I've had a, like a bit of an upbringing, like very culturally and not being exposed to a lot of um, Indians um, within Texas in the, the 90s. Is Texas getting better for that or is it still the same, do you think? Like oh, that cultural well, absolutely. stuff? So it's like the boom of like the tech industry there. Um, uh, yeah. It, it's, there's, there's everyone. Got it. Okay. And was there any particular travel or vacation early doors that may have sparked a bit of interest in travel? Oh, yeah. I, I would say like my first time um, going to study abroad in Spain when I was 19 and like not with my parents. It, just, <laughs> it was so eye opening. Um, it made me realize like also during that time, like on the weekends, you get to travel to other countries. And I'm like, wait, you can like be on a plane and be in like a whole other country with culture and food and language and or even like on a train and like in America you just go somewhere else like for a few hours and you're still it doesn't feel any different but here it's just like um, incredible and wanting to see more of that since and as a 19 year old you have like you were able to drink like sangria and stuff so <laughs> <laughs> it's not it was like going back to the US and like no reverse culture shock <laughs> oh yeah I think people forget that the US is 21 isn't it yeah still is I don't understand that rule because you all go to university and college at 18 19 exactly well, well that's no fun if you're going to university and college and you've got to drink coca-colas and sprites is it I mean it encourages a lot of underage yeah. drinking if you yes know. yeah absolutely and you're, you're now sipping a wine as well. <laughs> um, it's uh, 7 p.m. in Bulgaria. So okay. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, <laughs> technically like a little dinner dinner vibe. Got it. Is it Bulgarian wine? Uh, it is actually a Bulgarian Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, lovely. Nice. You had a lot of travel because classically, from my experience of interviewing Americans, they all pretty much study abroad. It seems, and Canada as well. It seems to be a big thing over there, over here to mm. go to Europe, do a semester or do a year. Uh, but that's pretty cool because I think in UK universities, that's not really a thing. Okay. Very rare. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And you got exposure pretty young. Yes. Because I know a lot of Europe has Erasmus. So I'm surprised the UK isn't um, more in forward there. Yeah. Do you know what? UK is, I think, quite unique with university. They push for you to go somewhere else, not your home city. You know. But this city is only like three hours drive away. There's a big thing to go somewhere completely different to a city and to stay there and live that for three years. Maybe it's become more popular now. You know, it's a long time ago since I went, but yeah, maybe international placements are becoming a thing. Over here always seems to be the regular. Well, hopefully that's changing. If you had an interest in travel at the early doors, did you think that maybe when you finished a university that that might be a thing for you to go and do or was it straight into like corporate lifestyle or a corporate job I was hoping for more travel like my original dream job graduating was um working at the four seasons and then because they encouraged travel and like whenever you finished a year at a place you could opt for another um location that they had but then I I did end up going into the corporate world and what was your role in the corporate world um so it was a lot of uh both in the tech and then the finance sectors 
Um, and my first job out of college was uh, working at General Motors in Austin, Texas. So I went to school in Florida and then I came back to Texas. Like my parents were delighted. But I was like, oh no. <laughs> so we'll come to this a bit more detail later, but how did that shape your early years were working because you do hear a lot of stories about corporate world where people just can't do it anymore or they think there's more to life than just doing the the real hardcore I guess corporate lifestyle well it's also like when you graduate college like I, I was 21 and when you're that young um and are kind of told by um like societal and cultural and like family influences that this is the path and you're doing a great job because you're following that path. You're going to college, you're um, getting the grades, you're then like having the system of like, then you go into corporate. And so I felt like it was like, oh my gosh, yes, I, I just getting that big girl job out of college. Like, <laughs> it's so exciting of all these opportunities. And, um, and <laughs> so it was a whole different world, like that I feel like college doesn't also prepare you for is, um, is to have these like corporate experiences and of course it's all company dependent on, mm. on some of these pros and cons that's what i'm very much interested in is like with your company what was your like vacation allowance per year for example i feel i've been lucky in finding places or companies that were really good ah, okay. um so i remember to start it was three weeks ah, okay yeah that's <laughs> believe it or not for europeans that's actually not too bad uh, over here uh, I think my partner mm. had two weeks. Okay, nothing. I had five, which is quite lucky over here. Uh, with a week off at Christmas, that's actually six weeks. Three weeks is, is doable, just. Yeah. But it's not a lot. We had the week off at Christmas too, I forgot. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. We're going to come to the bit of your life where you, I guess in quotation marks, made the leap um, to maybe be more <laughs> as a self-employed, uh, slash business owner, entrepreneur. But before that, how long did you last in corporate to before you made it, that decision? I mean, just looking back, it's so hard to put into to the word that I'll say it's to say that I've actually been in corporate for a decade. I'm like, that is oh. so much life. So much life. <laughs> I was like, what else I could have been doing during that time? <laughs> but at least you made the jump though. I mean, some people are probably listening and still in that, right? Fair. I think actions speak louder. I mean, if, you, if you're thinking that another 10 years down the line, like, oh, two decades in corporate. Oh, imagine that. It, it is something, though, that I thought was a good foundation and building block um, because, like, a lot of places in, in the U.S. are, like, are credit-based. So I was able, thanks to the fact that I had what was, like, a reputable job, um, I was able to get uh, qualified for a loan to buy a home. So I okay. always tell people I'm homeless, but I have a home and, like actually being in the corporate world was okay for that yeah. or uh, showing your credibility or like, for example, trying to get residency in Mexico, showing them you um, are able to have the stability, if you will, will help with those kinds of processes. Okay. And very quickly on Mexico, you mentioned their residency. Is that quite easy to get for Americans? Um, yes, it, it is pretty easy. And I know that Vegas is supposed to be uh, the easiest consulate to go through the process. What's the criteria to get that? I think you have to show a certain amount that you're making okay. um, or show how much um, overall your net value is worth. So that's like another um, opportunity mm. if you're not necessarily wanting to be in corporate which is great 
So a lot of people do that just to go and live in Mexico, I guess, because it's cheaper. And Mexico is huge. So I guess there's a, a big industry there, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. Um, just like the food culture and oh. <laughs> alone. It's got to be the best in the world, isn't it? One of the best. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I love adding a little spice. Mexico is in my top three. Okay. I know, like the UK doesn't have a lot of choice to offer the world. Ah, good point. I was speaking to my guide in Nepal uh, a few months ago about this. Because I asked them, what do you eat? Like, just day to day, like, what's your cuisine? And they have dal, dal bat, which is like a tali. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, anything else? He goes, oh, no, we just have that twice a day and maybe three times a day. And it's the same. It's just the, the dal, the rice, the, the papadom, et cetera, all in a dish. They cook it all up together in big batch and have it. And he said, what do you have? I was like, well, UK doesn't really have a cuisine. I, I'm, I might have a bit of pasta, which is obviously Italian. I might have a bit of dal or rice, which is obviously Indian or South Asian based. And then I might have a pizza. So I like, we don't really have a cuisine and it's different every day. It's not the same. That's quite an interesting conversation. Yeah, I'm very curious. I, I am a big foodie. So I, I love being able to explore the world through that. Yeah, it's a big, big part of the travel experience, I think, especially local food, proper local food. Okay, we'll come to that later in the episode. So making the leap. So you obviously in your mind must have thought, well, I want to start my own company. But how long was the process from thinking about it, putting some actions in and then actually leaving? How long was that? Um, so yeah, it's quite a journey and it doesn't happen overnight, but, mm. and then it, when it does happen overnight, it's because of all like the, the processes and thoughts that have happened before. Yeah. Well, I, I got the idea for Cloud Connections when I was at Bansko um, Nomad Fest last year, just being surrounded with a bunch of like incredible and successful entrepreneurs. Uh, and then I was still working, um, a full-time job, a role at uh, a tech company in Seattle um and doing these sort of things simultaneously because it is a mental struggle to like let go of that consistency of getting your paycheck come into Mm. um your bank account and so i um just wanted to make sure that i could like start putting the building blocks and the foundation um of this business and um i did my very first launch uh recently in in rio for uh the carnival uh festival which mm-hmm. was amazing you gotta <laughs> share more about carnival later but yeah. um it me being able to do that and see that and show that like people were having a great time and experience i was like that was in february i decided in march um roughly end of march that my energy and alignment with this corporate role is no longer is no longer working and i've just been putting and been drained and it's just not ideal and so i i decided to make that leap to to believe in myself and to pursue this opportunity that I've created that I feel like is going to be super impactful um, in the travel and uh, digital nomad world. But it's hard because it's a new new brand. And um, But if you don't believe in yourself, then who will? Yeah, absolutely. Totally right. And also, I guess you would have to put in uh, provisions. So I'm, I'm guessing you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but you'd have to make sure if, if you listen now, you need the financial backing from yourself. So I guess that would require savings from your current role like previously or a loan I guess if you're willing to make that leap make sure that gives you enough time to get your company 
out there and i guess that's what you're doing now is like you know promoting get it done that is quite a huge change because it's quite a difficult concept to not have that regular income in your bank account every week or two weeks or month oh yeah absolutely and um I couldn't agree with, with you more in that. Like what one strategy and like, as far as trying to be like, I, I'm tr- learning how to budget uh, now. And mm. um, I'm, I've been recently dating uh, a guy uh, that, or a Dutch guy that is like a pro at this. And so I've been learning some, some tricks to implement in, into my daily life. Budgeting <laughs> is so key. And I think you lose sight of that a little bit when you have a regular income, because you can throw away $40 for a meal out because it's just coming back next month, right? But you do learn a lot when you don't have income. That's the biggest thing we've learned this year, how to maximize, even though we're not done too well at it, but we've done okay, is to maximize the budget that you have because it is a it is a skill. I think it's a skill. And especially if you're in Bulgaria and your rent can be 200, maybe 300 a month, and it, it helps the, it goes a longer way. <laughs> absolutely i still can't get over that that's amazing okay so you put some provisions in place let's talk about cloud connections in first what is cloud connections and what do you offer as a brand uh so cloud connections is a uh, digital nomad festival like travel retreat company focusing on cultural festivals all around the world and it's for people that are also aspiring to be nomads um, and into the space. Um, and so it offers you the ability to integrate, immerse yourself within a culture. Um, like for example, in Rio, I found somebody that uh, found a, a, a person from Rio who are called Cariocas um, that was a Samba instructor, came to teach us Samba. We would go and hang out with him. He would take us to the bars to meet some of his friends and integrate. And then he was also um, a samba dancer for one of the top samba schools, which for in Carnival, um, samba schools perform um, a few nights throughout the week. It's a big competition for mm-hmm. these schools. Yeah. They actually start training now, which is cool. like, it's not till next February. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And this is quite a niche area, right? Like festivals linked with digital nomads, because digital nomads is quite a big, uh, area to go into but you're targeting uh, festivals which is cool because I don't think I've ever heard that uh, from anyone who mm-hmm. specifically goes to festivals to do that type of work or type of business I would say so I hope so and like I've been a digital nomad for about three years now so I have realized that festivals are a great way and reason to come into a country and uh, to experience that culture and to kind of plan yourself and your calendar around them. Uh, so I thought it'd be a great way to incorporate that um, into the nomad space. Well, it, the priority would be the festival, but also connecting with other nomads and uh, through like skill shares and, and workshops that'll also take place during that time. Okay, and you mentioned affiliate marketing, I think on your website. Um, mm-hmm. Can you maybe explain a little bit what that is uh, to the listeners? So if for example, you were to go to a restaurant, um, and you're telling your friend, like, this is the best restaurant in town. Let's go eat here. Um, and you both do. And you spend your money. And then you leave. But you made this recommendation. This restaurant wouldn't have gotten your friend's business if it wasn't for you sharing that. So mm-hmm. affiliate marketing is about you sharing brands um, that you love and resonate with. And um, they have a program set up where you can... Um, make money because you're doing them a great service of 
bringing people um, to you or to them because of you. And if people are not sure what that means, they can go to my show notes because I have a few affiliate marketing links on there. Uh, if you're not sure what that is. Yeah, I've got a few travel ones like Expedia and stuff like that. They're great for blogging, aren't they? If you're if you're into your blogging and your writing. Yes, and I've just recently started into the world of blogging and uh, connecting all those links and um, affiliate programs, signing up for those affiliate programs. It's pretty cool. And I think a lot of digital nomads who are into that space have a nice base income from that. I guess some people really smash it but it's nice to have that regular income you can get your blogs out there seo and all that sort of stuff isn't it yeah so i mean with anything though the setup is always going to be the hardest most time consuming part but once you get that infrastructure in place then i recently met like a travel blogging couple with affiliate links are making um over a hundred thousand a month on on their sites for blogs God, crikey that, that'll do <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'll be good yeah <laughs> How did you get into the festival sphere? Was there something that you'd done previously and just thought, you know, was it something back in the past? I, I say like, uh, so when I studied abroad in Spain, um, it was uh, in the springtime and that was around the time of Fias, which is a beautiful festival where everyone in the community got together um, to build floats during the entire year about like the different sins of man. And <laughs> then uh, during the Fias time, uh, they would go in and burn that and it would be a new for um, their next year. And so I remember seeing this, like this festival was really long. It was like a week or two. Um, and then there's lots of little events leading up to that. Like some of the best fireworks in my life. I, I realized like how it was bringing everyone together, how people from all around the world were coming, how people just wanted to celebrate. And there's so much joy and passion and like kids to grandmas were coming together and it was just all generations. So I love that. And I tried to go to a couple of other festivals and just realized like, this is um, something that's so incredible. Um, and it would be such a dream to be able to go to all of them. So I decided um, like last year, I went to Carnival for the first time. And there's so many people that were interested in going that I'm like, okay, I feel like even within the nomad space, this is so important and big and a reason to, to go somewhere. And I was like, I really wanna go to them. I would love for other people to join me going to them. So that's where this idea um, came through. And I just think it's such a, a lovely way to to experience a, a city you're in. Yeah, I just haven't done enough festivals. <laughs> like <laughs> barely any. If I I'm, I'm trying to recall now, like in I know last ten years, it's actually quite criminal if I think about it. I'm have to come and join you on a trip, <laughs> just experience yeah, one. Yeah, where would you want to go? <laughs> that is a great question. We are going to talk about Rio Festival, kind of a one. I think that's obviously high on a lot of people's lists. And I've been to Rio, and I can imagine that'd be quite good fun. But again, I don't know that many festivals if I was to try and name some a bit of a struggle the Notting Hill Carnival Festival is a classic <laughs> one <laughs> but mm. uh yeah I don't know too many maybe you can tell people three apart from Rio you mentioned that one but maybe three other ones that maybe you want to go to or you have been to like festivals so I can just like name three in Spain I would or even four like out of like Spain has one of like the highest concentrations of festivals oh, okay. um so like in Valencia there's Fias um, yeah. A town, I think, 45, 50 minutes away from Valencia in, in Buñol. Um, there's a Tomatina festival, which is taking place actually in August, end of August, 
where it's like the world's largest uh, food fight where you throw tomatoes at each other. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, in Pamplona, there's the famous running of the bulls festival. Yeah. Um, and then down below, um, there is a like a super soaker festival, but with wine. And I don't remember that city, but I know it's in okay. Spain, northern Spain. Um, so <laughs> they take it to the next level. They really love their wine there. And then in southern Spain, uh, there is a Semana Santa, which is uh, takes place around Easter time. Oh, Spain is a place to be then. Yeah, it's definitely one of the the best countries for like festivals. They they love to celebrate. That's awesome. Okay, that's brilliant. And what is next for you for a festival that you're going to appear at? So my next one is going to be at the end of November um, for the Yipeng and the uh, Loi Krithong. So you get not one but two Ooh. at the um, the same time frame. Um, so I'll have it from November 23rd to December 2nd. And these festivals are in Chiang Mai, Thailand, uh, which is Northern Thailand. So think more like jungly, lush, like elephant mm. uh, vibes. Um, and so the city of Chiang Mai is really walkable, uh, really great um, nomad base already. And so during these two festivals, um, Yipeng is also the lantern festival. You get to make a lantern out of a bamboo and then um, release that and it's a way to release all the, the fears and doubts and um, the negativity into your life and, and start anew. With the Loi Krathang, it is little wooden boats um, that you make and so I have um, an activity where we'll make um, these little wooden boats with some of the local artists in that community um, and then be able to place a candle and uh, see it drifting on the river. Oh wow, actually thinking back now I did do something in Thailand back in the day, like release a lantern into the, we wrote something on it. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, that was in Koh Tao, I think, on the island. And Chiang Mai okay. is a great spot. It's a really nice place to be in Thailand. Very different to the rest of Thailand that people think of, the islands and Bangkok. It's quite a nice little, yeah, I think it's a jungly vibe. I think it's definitely that up there. And it's charming because it is like very like walkable and such a great hub in terms of food and, and culture. Oh yeah, we done a cooking course there in Chiang Mai. Mm. That was unbelievable. Way too much food, but and <laughs> like you go to a local market, you pick your food, you cook the food, and uh, they give you a little book with instructions. It really was a a cool experience there. I've been twice. Uh, one was a bit mm. party vibe, and the other was a bit more cultural, should we say? Uh, both okay. equally as good. But yeah, what a place! What a place! Thailand is great in general. For cloud connections, how? Does someone apply to join or work with you? Great question. So um, you can go to my website, um, cloudconnections.co, and uh, there's a place to apply now. You'll go through a set of questions, like what is your name, contact info. And at the end of that, you'd want to book a Calendly call uh, with me. Um, and then we'll just uh, have a, a chat, see what your options are. And so for Chiang Mai, um, a private room um, would be $18.99 US, and then a shared space would be um, $13.99. That would be over the course of 10 days and include um, some of your activities, food, accommodations, and uh, Skillshare's workshop networking. And um, I also do have an affiliate program uh, where if uh, you're able to refer friends that sign up, then um, you will be given uh, $300. So. Um, we'll just, wow. uh, if you want, reach out to me. We'll talk about what code to use and uh, get you set up. That's brilliant. We'll come back round at the end of the episode to finalise like the links and where to find you. But that's great. 
And of, of course, I put them in the show notes so people can just click a link and get you going. What has been like the reaction, maybe from friends and family, but also from clients, from you creating this company, Cloud Connections, but also coming out of the corporate world into your own entrepreneurial space? Oh my gosh. Well, I would say like family part, a lot of fear and, and lack of the unknown and unsure of like, is this going to work? And um, like being scared of the fact that I'm not going down the most stable path, um, stable. as I mentioned before. Yeah. And then through friends and through um, like my other nomad friends are like so proud, so excited to see where that goes. And the freedom as well. You must be enjoying that because you're now not tied to a time to turn mm -hmm. your laptop on and also you're not tied to a location so that must be great to have that ultimate freedom just to go to events or be somewhere that you want to be for a month or two that's pretty cool yes and to to be living the dream that i i've had for since i was 19 at the Vios festival and it's taken what 10 years to get to that point roughly a little, maybe a little more but a little more but let's call it 10 let's call it 10 <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing because i think a lot of people need to hear that because they are skeptical of maybe digital nomads saying you need to make the leap and they maybe want a bit more information about how to do it and what mm -hmm. the risks are and what it's like afterwards i mean there's a point to doing it you quit your job you set up and you go but the the space that you're in now where you've actually left and you're doing it that's a different Ball game isn't it you've got to think about loads of different stuff like you say budgeting uh, what events you can go to where you can stay and stuff like that but you do have the ultimate freedom and it is the dream and um it, it's difficult because like a lot of people are scared of entrepreneurship but definitely mm. want those end results uh but the curve is always you spend a lot of time and energy in the beginning um you're basically planting a garden and you won't see anything for a while so you have to like be patient and realize that it will blossom if you keep nurturing it. Yes, work at it and keep the faith and consistency. I think obviously you'll make a success out of it and it will be justified. I think a lot of people, maybe controversially, this might be a controversial comment, want results quickly, like you said, without putting too much effort, work or risk involved in it, which is quite, well, it's not the way it's done, is it? You need to take the risk, you need to put the work in. Be patient, I guess, and also be consistent and believe in it because it's not going to happen overnight, is it? <laughs> I mean, it might, but that's because you put the work in um, for uh, like X amount of time and then ah, yeah. all of a sudden you're like, wow, like I had like aha moments. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That's a lot of work if you're full time because you've got to do full time work and your spare time has got to be investing in your new adventure. So that's quite a lot of work. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> thank you dreamy cloud connections have you got anything in the pipeline for next year yeah so i um currently the great thing about festivals is that they usually happen yearly with mm. the exception of a few where they may be like two or four years yeah. um festivals but like Car i have so carnival was so great and super successful and people loved it and i mean it's uh, dubbed to be the greatest show on earth so we're gonna go back to rio uh, but the dates are changed because it's a based on the like the lunar and uh, the moon cycles. Um, so we'll have that in early February. And um, once I have more details, uh, you could sign up for that. And um, nice. there's a, a wait list to put your information uh, currently. And then I have Holi in India, and most likely looking at the city of Jaipur in India, which is the pink city. And Holi is Love the it. celebration of colors and basically releasing your inner child as you 
um, celebrate love and joy. Yeah, Jaipur is definitely a favourite of mine in India. What a place that is. Definitely worth a visit. And we're going to jump into your travels. Obviously travelled around quite a bit with festivals, but also previous travels. So we've got three places here that we're going to talk about. And the first one is China. When did you go to China and where did you go? Because that's a huge country. Yeah, <laughs> massive. Uh, so after I studied abroad, I had an opportunity with my professor to go uh, to China uh, when I was 19, um, like translating some uh, documents from like English to Spanish. Like, thank goodness that Chinese because that is a hard one to learn. <laughs> wow. How many languages do you speak? Uh, interestingly. Um, three. So three. not as many as like a lot of the nomads that are out here, but at least better than um, where most English uh, speaking countries can only speak English. What three so is that? I, I speak Spanish uh, pretty well and then yeah. a language called Telugu, which is uh, in from southern India. Yeah. Is that one of the is it 18 official languages or whatever, whatever in I India? I believe 22. 22. I God, wow. It's a, there's a lot. I wish I knew Hindi, but... It's really based on what state is we're, we're going to speak at. So yeah. it's a lot of languages. That's a lot. It's amazing. Okay. And how did you find China as a place to travel? Um, I feel like China is where I kind of grew up. This was in Beijing. I was working, uh, interning at a, a finance magazine there. And I was around uh, people that were like 23, 24, which felt so old to me at the <laughs> oh, time. <God>. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, nice. And uh, just learning from them, and they there weren't a lot of Americans there. It was like the first time I had exposure really to people from like the UK, um, from Australia, from other parts of Europe, and it was just incredible to to get to be around these people that were a bit older um, and be like, oh wow, okay, <laughs> like I I feel so young. Like what? <laughs> Did you learn a bit Mandarin, or would you? advise someone going to China that they would need it? I, I did learn like a few of the basics and I do recommend um, learning that because uh, the rate of English there is very low. So just to have a, a better experience, it, it is a hard language. And you, you can um, say like, a, I remember like there's a tone for like, good morning and fuck you or like the same tone. So <laughs> if you could really mess up, <laughs> like trying to just say hello. <laughs> that is a fine line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. And any, do you see any sites like Great Wall of China, anything like that? Yeah. So yeah. I did go to the Great Wall. We uh, went to the Babaling section, which I think is the most touristy. And then I also went on a hike through some of the more like scattered or um, not as like up to date places of the wall because that place, that wall is huge. Like it kept all of Mongolia out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a big wall. <laughs> yeah. And would you go back to China in the future? I, I think so. I'm not really sure because I know that they're very strict. Um, they did have really strict COVID rules. Mm. Um, so I just don't want to ever be trapped there. Um, so like maybe in the future because I really want to go to Chengdu. Uh, because apparently you could play with baby pandas there. Yep, I think you can there. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, the next country. R-O-K. I guess that's the Republic of Korea. Yes. I've just been. Oh, no way. Yeah, two weeks ago. I was listening to your podcast about it. Yeah. And where did you go in Korea? Um, So it was another eye-opening experience. I was 21. It was part of a college course I did. And so we stayed predominantly in Seoul, but we also went to a few other cities. And what we did was like um, tour... Uh, some of Seoul's most prominent companies, so like Samsung and LG, POSCO, 
and it was just fascinating to like an uh, in-depth view of the behind the scenes of um, these major giant shibles, which I believe is the word, or oh. these corporations. I thought Seoul was an amazing city. Yeah, I loved it. I had no expectations because I've read a few things that they some people call boring, but I was like, there's like hundred different areas you can go to and just get an amazing view or get some great food or a coffee or a site or a temple. Uh, I found it really a cool upcoming hip city. Mm-hmm. And I had a great, I remember, I'll never forget Seoul because um, that was the time I had like my, my very first kiss. So I was a little late to that game, but so I would always make like um, a little joke where it's like my, my heart and soul is in Seoul. Oh, wow. Okay. I did not yeah. expect that to be a thing. Oh, I know. It was silly. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah. And Seoul is also accessible because they have the bullet train, right? So if you want to go to anywhere in the country, most like major places, the high-speed rail is going to get you there in pretty quick time. Pretty small country. Yeah. And well, both countries, both China and um, oh, yeah, Korea have the bullet train. Yeah. Any highlights of what else you saw in South Korea? Um, the DMZ, which is super cool. It's like, yeah. Ah, okay. I didn't go. Yeah. But you can go to North Korea, so. Well, the reason <laughs> so I didn't go is you, try. you can't step over in North Korea at the minute because mm-hmm. of their COVID rules. COVID rules. Um, oh. So you are just going to the border. You can look across, obviously, but you can't do that step in because they won't allow it yet. Okay. I want to wait. I want to do that to make sure I've done what you did. So how was that? Like just that whole experience of the MZ? I was like, are we going to survive? And <laughs> uh, still here today. But like the people that are at like the border area, like take their jobs very seriously. Absolutely. Okay. Like no facial expression. Uh, very much like the, the UK um, guards uh, for, for the Queen. But like right. a lot more serious in, um, even more serious in their demeanor. If you can imagine. Yeah, I think where I've seen it the most serious is in Vietnam. You can go and see Ho Chi Minh because they kept him mm-hmm. sterilized for oh, 40, 50 years now. It's like a mausoleum, so you walk around him. The guards, like, they will push your arms away or touch you. They, they will not give a fuck. They will say, like, no phones, hands by your side, walk slowly in and out in five, six seconds. Um, and they're walking down the queue, like, yeah, you need to be pretty switched on and don't take the piss. All right. Good to know. Good to know, yeah. Okay. Korea, loved it. Loved the coffee, loved the people, loved the weather, loved the aircon, loved the trains. I loved everything about it. It was brilliant. What do you think about the food? There's a few things that I enjoyed, like uh, bibimbap or japchae. Mm. I, I was afraid of kimchi back then, and I have conquered that fear since. <laughs> okay, so you need to go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as always. Okay, that's cool. And the next country we're going to talk about is Brazil. you just recently been. Mm. Uh, what a place. Again, another huge country with lots of different cultures going on. But where did you go? I guess it's Rio. But anywhere, anywhere else? No, I just stayed in Rio. There is so much to do like that you can stay in Rio and like have endless activities for like a month, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and they opened, uh, they ha- made it visa free to travel for like Americans, Canadians um, within like last year. Uh, so that was because they used to have a $180 visa fee which I think that they're bringing back at some point um, this year. So that's something I have to like really research because wow. I'm trying to bring people to Carnival. And yeah. a lot of the uh, Airbnb or the hotels and hospitality industry is really upset about that because it was bringing in a lot of um, revenue for them. Yeah. 
And how was Carnival? I feel like it's just so magical, like how Brazilians are able to like share and celebrate and uh, show love through that festival. Like they just know how to have a good time. Like they are some of like the most hardcore like um, party people that are so passionate about it. It's like almost as big a sport as uh, football or soccer is to them. And uh, it it's taken very seriously and it's incredible to witness that energy and I've never seen anything like that. Um, and the most, one of the most beautiful things is that um, women are like able to dress however they want and they're able to show um, like that this is my body, like love me, I don't care. It doesn't matter what size you are. It's just like such, um, so much body positivity uh, in this country as well. I think it's known one of the most liberating experiences, right? I mean, it seems oh, yeah. to be. I don't think I've ever met uh, like people more liberating than Brazilians. <laughs> <laughs> and for someone who doesn't know too much about it, where is it in Rio? Because obviously Rio is a big place. Um, so there's a lot of different neighborhoods in Rio. Um, the actual event of Carnival takes place in the Sambra Dome, which is close to Santa Teresa. We actually walked there from the accommodations um, we stayed at last year. Yeah. And um, in addition to Carnival, there's also a lot of leading events before and after called Blocos, which are street parties based off of theme. So like, remember, there's like powder puff theme, like 70s theme, Beatles theme. Uh, and then they even had uh, a famous Brazilian artist come perform for free. Um, after Carnival was over called Anita and she had Jason Derulo also <laughs> randomly there. Okay, wow. The whole Carnival, how long does it go for? So the blockos and some of the events leading up to the events, based on the dates because of the lunar yeah. cycle, like I would say sometime between January for next year and then they probably go towards the end of February, maybe cut through March. The, the actual Carnival dates um, for next year are in early Feb. And what happens is that, um, so that these are the performances in the Sombra Dome, to clarify. Um, and the ones you can go to, there's two, um, usually that, let's see, Friday, Saturday before. Um, and those are like uh, tier two Samba schools that come perform. Those mm -hmm. tier two, whoever wins there, they have um, a chance to come into uh, the uh, performances happening the following week on Monday, Tuesday. And then the more tier one elite schools are all performing. And then from there, um, there are eight schools that get to win um, and be part of the champions parade that happens on Saturday. And is it free to get in or would you have to pay? There is an entry level, like you have to pay to enter. And if you go earlier in the year, you can catch some of the, the practices and the rehearsals for free. Uh, but it is um, like it is part of what I'll include um, within my carnival package for next year. OK. And, retreat. and where do you normally stay in Rio when you take your clients or if you go yourself? Um, so the first time I stayed in Copacabana, because that's what you hear about. Of course. It's such a tourist trap. Oh, um, it's, <laughs> OK. <laughs> it's just like they're expected to have tourists um, there. Yeah. And so uh, so the neighborhood that we go to now um, is Santa Teresa. It is um, near the infamous Lapa where... Oh, Lapa, um, been there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a, a really... And then it's on the hill um, and it's really charming uh, because it's super walkable. It's the bohemian artsy vibe. Um, and um, I learned from a friend that it is Anthony Bourdain's favorite neighborhood in all of Rio. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's a good thing. And if he's going there, there must be something good there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you ever go to Impanima? I know it's a bit of an upper class area, but I did like the vibe there, even though it's a bit um, pretentious a little bit. Um, I, I did like that. But as far as like upper class, if you wanted that for beach as well, I would recommend Leblon. Um, oh, okay. That's probably like the the, the nicest uh, neighborhood or most posh neighborhood in um, Rio. Ah, good. Good to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We stayed in Copacabana, obviously. And we went during the World Cup, so I don't really think we got to see oh, wow. uh, Rio in its like traditional sense, more akin to the football, which they obviously love. And there's like parties everywhere on the beach. There's all these fan zones. Really great time. But I want to go back to see it in normal times. That's amazing that you got to experience um, that because Brazil is obsessed with their football culture. Yeah, it's an obsession that I thought only England had, but it's Brazil's different yeah. level. <laughs> yes. Have you heard the conspiracy theory about Neymar, the Brazilian footballer? Um, no, I okay. unfortunately it's not my area of expertise. <laughs> the conspiracy is, and it has happened a few times, that every year when he's playing, he is either injured or suspended at the time of carnival. Mm. So he always seems to be unavailable to play football. And then you see him at Carnival in Brazil because obviously he's Brazilian. He loves to go. It's a thing to do. But it's midway through the football season. So a lot of people think he makes sure he gets himself injured or suspended to make sure he goes and do Carnival during the season. He has his priorities. <laughs> yeah, sack the football off. Okay, Rio, amazing place. But Brazil as a whole, what a place to go to. Do you have any ambitions to go anywhere else in Brazil? It's such a massive country. And I guess technically I did go to... The Brazilian side of Iguazu Falls, which oh, yeah. borders um, Argentina and um, Paraguay. Um, yeah. And that is by far one of the most um, Stunning. incredible waterfalls. Um, it, it beats Niagara Falls, because I know you're in Canada right now. Like, it yeah. makes Niagara Falls look like child's play. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I do agree. <laughs> yeah, we went to the Brazilian side as well. Yeah, yeah they have a, the Amazon, of course, and yeah. most of Brazil is actually covered in that. Um, so it would be incredible to witness. And then um, there's actually a nomad community in Pipa um, that is starting to, to form and uh, get more popular. So I'm keen to check that place out. With Where is that? Uh, Pipa. It's like, um, it's northern Brazil. Okay. Um, and it's just a super tiny, small fishing village at this point. But it's, it's uh. growing um, for uh, another nomad base which Rio is also really great for that. Yeah, there's pockets in South America, isn't there? Of these little nomad spaces. Like Floripa. Floripa. Florinopolis. Yeah, that, look, that looks incredible. Get me there. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's amazing. Brazil is such a cool country. I need to go back and it's high on my list. And um, it's great because it's uh, summer um, during the, the European winter. So if you want some sunshine, it is Dream. your place. Yep. And as a foodie, just to finish on Brazil, what, what's some of your favorite dishes in Brazil? There, I, I feel like every country's version of fried chicken exists. And I really love like the, the Brazilian, like the frango that they make. Yeah. Their classic dish is a stew with beans, the fajuada, fajuada yeah. uh, which is really nice. And um, the bar de Minero, which is in Santa Teresa, is known to be the best place to, to have this dish. They have a lot of um, like fried, their take on empanadas is more of the, the fried style or the, they call it pastais there. Pastais. Uh, those are delicious. Yeah. And um, I've had like feijoada inside the pastais and that was oh. uh, like yummy. <laughs> wow. That's like combining two dreams. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, empanadas over there are sensational. I remember just eating so much good food there alongside drinking a lot of caperinas, which was quite dangerous. Oh, such a great drink. It's a, such an easy drink to drink. It's too it's dangerous. So yeah. It's on my uh, almost banned list because it's just too easy to drink and you have too many of those, you're in trouble. Well, I was anyway. <laughs> but yeah, what a place. Okay. I think Copacabana, I think you do have to see it. I think people would obviously navigate there anyway because it's the place that people probably know the best. Um, but um, great to, it's great to hear some recommendations outside of that. I don't know much about Rio apart from Ipanema and Copacabana because all the places I went to uh, in terms of the place to stay or chill out. So that's good to know. And it sounds like Lapa a little bit. Yeah. You're familiar with it. Yeah. Well, Lapa is at the steps. Yes. Yeah. It's all around steps. Yeah. Done Lapa steps. I mean, we ticked off like the classic Lapa steps, Sugarloaf Mountain, Christ the Redeemer, uh, the beaches at Copacabana. Okay. So we've done the tourist stuff as well as the football. Perfect. you got to see a wonder of the world. Yeah, that was actually, I've told a story before, but I'll say it again because you're here, is that we were asked to go into a UK newspaper. Uh, I'm not mm. going to name them because they're pretty bad. They want a mid-page spread about the World Cup and two media guys through it, one of our friends who's also media, said that we need to do a, a thing at Chrysler Redeemer. I'm like, okay, we will get you lunch. You go up there, be all free. Let's do it. So like, okay. But we turned up and it was full. They wouldn't let us up. Oh. But one of the guys who was the photographer, I don't know if you've seen this on Google, but there's a Google image of a guy taking a selfie at the top of Christ the Redeemer like this. Okay. And it's that guy. So he was with us as a photographer. And the people at the counter knew him and recognized him and said, oh, go on, then you can go up. <laughs> so he took the, the train up. Yeah. And just let us up there. And it was heaving like. There was no space to walk. But because these guys needed a photograph, they're like pushing people out of the way, getting like a space for us. And they got a photo done and yeah, they got the uh, article written. So that was the Christ the Redeemer adventure. Yeah, what an exclusive experience. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We kind of stayed up there having a few beers, probably longer than we should have done. But yeah, that was a amazing views up there. Incredible experience. Okay, so we've done three countries. We're going to move on to your books, blogs, and speaking events. So you're now a published author. So what have you written and released? Yes, and like, I, I guess there's a caveat with that. So what I've really done with like being published is more of like um, using that as a lead magnet. So I have decided like trying to find different ways to create passive income is um, like trying to like co-write with ChatGPT some books that I've like published oh. on um, Amazon um, KDL. So that, is, but then I use that as like a lead magnet to bring people into um, like my affiliate marketing or um, cloud connections, which those are two separate things. I have affiliate marketing as well for cloud connections. And I'm also part of an affiliate marketing company that sells water ionizers. Um, so that the publishing is for that. Got it. And chat GPT, I have not investigated it, but I think a lot of podcasters do use it. There's so much you can do on it. Like if you want it to create a rap for you about <laughs> um, mountains and bananas, it's going to like uh, break out an amazing rap around that. Or if you right. want to create poetry or um, use it to help you create social media posts or even ask it to like write you a 10,000 essay about bird migrations. It's got, it's got it all, but it's also like the uh, beginner AI tool. Um, and at this conference, there's a few talks about uh, how to use and leverage AI. 
Um, and uh, that is just one of many tools where some of these other AI tools are a lot more specific to your niche. For example, the, the wrapping one, there's an entire AI tool all about like creating the best wraps and it's focused on that. So ChatGP is just like the gateway into AI. Wow. That's going to change creativity a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a new ball game. <laughs> and there's a lot of like scares that it could replace a lot of different kinds of jobs. So that's where I think universal basic income, which is like everyone having a certain amount of money um, consistently flowing to help mitigate that. Yeah. Interesting. A lot of university students would be like, oh, it can write my dissertation. Done. Yeah, it might be able to, but there's been like a case where ChatGPT, like uh, a lawyer was using it and um, he used ChatGPT to help him write the case, but ChatGPT mm-hmm. just gave him a bunch of like fake um, criteria. So uh, the judges completely dismissed it. So there's mm-hmm. still a lot of ambiguity in the, that world that needs to be updated. But it will get better, surely. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what AI means. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, very interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of podcasters use it maybe for scripts for their podcast, or okay. I don't know if it can like notate or even like translate your podcast. But it seems to be on the rise. I've seen on on the periphery of some social media posts. Yeah, it seems to be fairly popular, increasing in popularity. We're gonna talk about your blog. So you do blogging? Yes, I just started. Started, yeah. So what's your plan? Daily, weekly, monthly, and what's the content gonna be? So I have a plan right now for um, batch creating monthly. Um, and then editing and uh, putting affiliate links uh, monthly as well. So uh, what I've done is I create a content bank of ideas and then um, we'll be writing about some different topics. Um, And um, most of them will be about travel, um, learning about different cultural festivals and um, uh, digital nomad tips. So uh, that's kind of within my niche and the people that I'm trying to, to bring. Awesome. And that links us to on to speaking events as well. So you're in Bulgaria now doing a speaking event? I am. It's my very first time. I didn't trip or die or, or trip and die. And I'm here on the other side and it feels so good. What is the event and what are you speaking about? Um, so the event was for the Nomad Conference where they had over 70 speakers. And I saw it last year and I was like, I'm going to have a goal of being a speaker. And so I applied, I think back in um, March, um, right before quitting. And I, uh, I got it. I was like, what? Okay. And then <laughs> that's just the first step is that yeah. you have to then like, um, speakers, you get to go to the event for free, but it is a lot of work in, um, preparing the content and the material, putting together the slide deck, and then just like practicing it, um, several times, tweaking that practicing it in front of like friends or anyone that you hope would watch you. Um, <laughs> And uh, then, of course, on the actual stage day, like getting so many nervous jitters because mm. I think the last time I spoke was uh, back in high school for speech class. So uh, <laughs> I have no experience in it. And um, just all those little nerves and uh, the people on like the, the tech crew and the MC was just so amazing and yeah. helping to, to ease some of that and then just going and realizing that um, you just have to, to talk and you've been talking about this or you've been practicing for so long and you have your your deck as a reference because I thought I was just going to forget everything. Um, and um, it was insane because I it was one of the most popular talks. Like I like packed that entire stage um, with my topic, like from hostile to automation and building a personal brand. 
um, where I um, was talking about like high ticket and low ticket and the difference and um, my affiliation with um, water ionizers and how that's been leading me to a lot of success and learning how to create a brand, which then helped me launch Cloud Connections. Mm. Um, and so just sharing that and having people afterwards say that it was one of the top talks that they've, they've been oh. to and having people reach out and say that um, they're like interested in having like a mentor and just all the new opportunities that getting out of your comfort zone allows you to do. Yeah, that's a great clip that I'm going to clip that probably about an example of doing something that maybe isn't like comfortable or isn't a regular thing that you do. Obviously, high school was the last time you've done it, but going there, doing it, doing it well and getting praise and business out of it afterwards. I mean, it can't it can't go any better than that. And are you in Bulgaria for longer than that? Or are you going to leave and go somewhere else? Um, so I'm going to Sofia tomorrow and then I fly out Tuesday um, so I can visit uh, my, my Dutch, I guess, boyfriend partner. We just made this like a little official. Oh. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay. uh, figuring out no, no, like dating as a nomad is a whole nother topic. But so I'll see him for a little bit before I head back to the States for a conference on the, the water ionizers in Vegas. Got it. Okay. And I was meant to ask, aside from events, uh, your businesses, cloud connections, etc., is there any travel you're coming up that's not related to anything like that? Just, you know, holiday travel or a bit of vacation time. Have you got anything planned for that? So I'm actually going um, to Morocco with my dad for a couple of weeks because oh. he uh, qualified to represent the U.S. and basically the, uh, the Olympics of bridge. Um, oh, yeah. which if you're not familiar as is, is a card game i'm going to go support him in marrakesh where the world finals are that's incredible morocco again on my list uh, had a whole mm. podcast episode about it so that is a place to uh, check out for sure and there's so many places to see there it looks incredible and the hammam life there oh the spa culture is <laughs> like yeah. high go go for that <laughs> if you like to to do a little self-care and pamper yourself you will not be disappointed Absolutely. What is a website people can reach you on? Either through cloudconnections.co and happy to um, just book that Calendly call with me or just like reach out and send me a message through there um, and I'll be in touch or through my Instagram, um, rainbowronnie underscore. Um, I, I'm happy to, to answer any questions um, through either of those. Okay, I'll put links in the show notes. Any other social media apart from Instagram or just Instagram? I also have an Instagram for my Cloud Connections page. Got it. So Cloud yeah. Connections underscore. Is there millennials, is that your target audience? Um, yes and no. Like I want to build a community of people that are enjoying this. So while I am a millennial, it doesn't mean that it has to just be about millennials, but people that share the values of um, aspiring to be a digital nomad, wanting to connect with other like-minded nomads um, that want to enjoy a culture to its fullest. Uh, is an email address that people can reach you on as well, or is that on the website? It is on the website, and it is hello at cloudconnections.co. Got it. I'll add that in as well. Okay, Rannick, we are going to finish the episode with some quick-fire oh, travel here questions. Here we go. Hey, yeah. Just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. 
Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for travelling, podcast and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. And my first question is, how many countries have you traveled to? Um, I just hit number 52 in Hungary uh, wow. last week. Great work. And of those 52, which is a lot, name a top three that are your favorites. I loved Croatia. I celebrated uh, my 30th birthday in Dubrovnik and the Adriatic Sea is magical. Um, I really enjoy Mexico and felt it was super underrated because I'm from Texas. I'm like, oh, it's just in my backyard, but <laughs> there's so much diversity and ability to explore. And um, I, I really enjoyed Thailand. Um, the food, the people, the food is incredible. The culture and the people are super sweet and humbling. It, it's just, there's so much to do and see there. Three great countries. Okay. And three countries that you've not traveled to that you would love to travel to next? I really want to go to Bataan because there's a lot of like untapped, like number one meter peaks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My number one. Uh, Oh my goodness. Yeah. I have wanted to go to Vietnam. There was like uh, the Song Do, which is like one of the most unexplored caves uh, in the world that has just recently come in uh, that I think would be really incredible. Mm. Um, Plus Vietnamese food is also great um and then i really want to go to new zealand because i hear it's like the landscapes and the adventures um that you can do there are are top notch a dream place new zealand oh yeah amazing okay and what is a city that you would sit in and drink a cup of coffee and watch the world go by where are you gonna sit oh um let's um Antalya in Turkey because there's beaches and mountains so you don't have to choose uh Turkish has a Turkey has a huge coffee culture mm. so there's gonna be like thousands of little shops to choose from it's amazing got it and what do you think is the best coffee in terms of tasting like any country's coffee which one are you going to go for Ethiopia I'm hoping there's a tin cot festival that happens there in January and I'm hoping to also include like a, a coffee tour because i like, without a doubt, like, Ethiopian Yorga Chefe is on another level. Are you a big coffee drinker? Um, only if it's good. <laughs> yes. You should come on my coffee YouTube channel. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> oh we'll, we'll have to try and meet up and have a coffee somewhere. That'd be pretty cool. Okay. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question is going to be three international cuisines that are your favourite. You can't include uh, traditional ones that you ate when you were younger. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I can because I've been to India and um, <laughs> I, I am. So I'm going to go with that one. And I used yeah. to not like it growing up, underappreciate it. And now I love it. Um, yeah. And then, of course, um, Japanese food is by far my favorite. The diversity of how much is in their cuisine is just like, that's probably the cuisine I can like eat for the rest of my life if I had the choice, if I could only choose one. And then I like, there's nothing like tacos. Like, I, I feel like a lot of countries, there's only like a handful or so that really have great cuisine. And I feel like they're going to be repeated nonstop because like they're exceptional. Yeah, there's very few cuisines in my opinion, so I don't know if you agree, where they are great because you can have them at any time of day. So Mexican mm-hmm. cuisine, even though I've not been to Mexico, believe it or not, hopefully next year. Oh, wow. Um, I imagine I can have Mexican food, breakfast, lunch, dinner without a problem. So that to me is going to be a great cuisine. Okay, that's great. What about one view? 
that you've seen in the world that you could live by and just look at forever in time? Um, that would probably be at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, where I remember seeing the sun rising. I like the stars, like the most incredible stars that I've seen in my life. Uh, fading into the most incredible sunrise I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Dreaming. Got it. That's a great answer. One of the best, actually. Uh, what about a lake that is on your list as a favorite? I just came from um, Lake Bal- Balaton in um, Hungary, uh, which is uh, technically Eastern Europeans beach, if you will. And oh. it is in a, a massive lake. I uh, went to uh, Tihani, where they're known for lavender. And it is just a very like that's a dreamy spot for sure okay and uh, what about a favorite walk hike or trail i mean kilimanjaro i don't think it much can beat that <laughs> okay if you could live in a country for one year that you've not lived in before where would you live probably japan i've heard it's great and there's um there's so many different islands and cities to explore and if you could master one language that you can't speak what language would you master oh, i would master all of them oh my goodness <laughs> um but it's hard because it's like it's useful versus not but like in terms of like with cloud connections and stuff I think it'd be really handy to have Portuguese and what about one bit of advice that you would give that you may have been given yourself or you just come up with for kind of making that leap from standardized society nine to five working a job to a digital nomad what's the one bit of advice you give like nothing changes if nothing changes so if you go about wishing and dreaming instead of taking steps to um, have an action, um, you're going to be stuck in whatever it is. And you're going to like, it's already halfway through the year. It's July. What were your New Year's goals? Take action. You still have a happy year of 2023. And you got this. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. Uh, A favorite beach. I'm going to chuck one in there. I've got that one. (laughs) Well, I lived uh, three years in San Diego and I loved the beaches there. Um, especially Ocean Beach. Amazing. And to finish the episode, last question. If you had to give, you can have a few sentences here as to why someone should travel and go and experience different cultures and different countries. Why should they go traveling? Oh my goodness. It's about like learning and immersing yourself because it is what I would recommend is the best education is by learning how to experience or even order food in a culture getting there and there's all these difficult challenges that you have to overcome and you grow so much as a person just by trying to go on um, a trip or trying to travel and leaving what you know as the comforts of your home and it's amazing out there (laughs) absolutely brilliant snippets there I've got three I can think already I'm going to snip out of this interview. But Rani, thanks for coming on to the podcast. It's been an awesome chat. It's been super fun. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for having me. And it looks like super sunny Canada. And um, uh, what, what a great way to, like, I, I hope it, it was a good start to your morning and still a great Sunday here. So I was really looking forward to it. Now, thanks for your positivity and your uh, information, actually. It's been like a unique episode in that. Like, I can see that you love travel. You love what you're doing right now. It's going to really resonate with the listener, I think. It's going to help a lot of people. Yay! Well, I am glad to be able to provide uh, that value. And um, it was so fun um, getting to, to go, like, get all these questions. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. 
I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.